Welcome to the Matterhorn Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kathleen Waller. Here, we have conversations about cultural studies, the arts, and writing. If you want to sign up to my Substack newsletter for free, just click on the link in this homepage. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Um, So today, I'm going to share another post from my Yoga Culture Substack, a different online publication, um, but with a lot of crossover and interest, I think, for Matterhorn readers and listeners Um, because we're talking about uh, writing as well, or the writing life and being a writer. So today's post is about consciousness, and it's actually a preview instead of um, a post view like I did last week. So in a couple of weeks, um, this article will be published on Yoga Culture with all of the links and extra media and information, and you'll be able to join the conversation Um, So if you're listening to this before that is posted, please just subscribe um, to Yoga Culture in the episode link and you will get the post in your inbox um, in a couple of weeks. So thanks for listening today. And this is Consciousness. Writing and embodying consciousness, being and becoming through writing and yoga. What does it mean to be a conscious human being? To be who you are? Are our realities quite similar to each other's? And do we have agency in our own consciousness or state of being? These are questions many philosophers, scientists, and artists have tackled for centuries. Probably all of us have thought about our state of existence and relation to the universe, some more frequently than others. Consider the trick of the Truman Show on Jim Carrey's character. Is that not a fear we all have? That what we think we experience is not real or is constructed by someone or something else. We all seek some kind of freedom. Other artists play with these ideas. Milan Kundera's The Unbearable Lightness of Being is a both a historical political novel and one that simultaneously explores consciousness and individual freedoms. It contains ideas such as these in the narrative. Quote, We can never know what to want because, living only one life, we can neither compare it with our previous lives nor perfect it in our lives to come. Another quote, The brain appears to possess a special area which we might call poetic memory and which records everything that charms or touches us that makes our lives beautiful. And the last quote, The heaviest of burdens is therefore simultaneously an image of life's most intense fulfillment. The heavier the burden, the closer our lives come to the earth, the more real and truthful they become. Visual artists have also tackled these ideas. An exhibit in London from 2016 called States of Mind attempted to bring these artistic ideas in conversation with the work of Descartes. The Guardian Review asks, Are we all somnambulists? Our conscious selves more patchworks of sensory information and memory that are full of holes and lesions? For example, look at the work of Austrian artist Katarina Terracidi, and you will see ways of imagining the body's connection to our consciousness. Her paintings explore subjects looking at themselves or attempting new perspectives, whether upside down or with virtual reality viewer. To some extent, every artistic expression is an exploration of consciousness and attempt to share one's own reality with the rest of us. 
To tackle these concepts, I'm drawn to the philosophy of Gilles Deleuze and Félix Guattari. Their ideas about becoming an active form of identity creation dependent on an actualization of the virtual are empowering in considering our realities. Although Deleuze may seem really out there, he was in part attempting to talk about a universal human experience and what that is determined also by societal constructs of realities. In other words, we are not as free as the existentialists would like us to be. You can read an introduction to this idea from Adrian Parr and also look at the work of Franz Fanon, The Beginning of Postcolonial Philosophy. I consider these philosophers in discourse with others like Frederick Nietzsche, Michel Foucault, and Jacques Derrida, as well as later responses and new ideas by Judith Butler, Slavoj Zizek, and Edward Said. The latter contemporary names mentioned here also bring ideas of our identities and consciousness into the realm of culture, gender, and race in interesting and even empowering ways, despite the notion that Deleuze was trying to free us from these constructs. Rather than go through the details of all these thinker writers, the reason I bring them all up is to consider that many of their ideas are relevant in approaches by scientists to understanding consciousness. As we begin to understand the brain more on a cellular and chemical level, we also find reflections of philosophers and artists both relevant and useful in attempting to understand what it all means. Greg Dunn is a neuroscientist turned artist who compares his work to Zen artists, In an interview with the Garrison Institute, he tells Linda Kadiga, When I was trying to wrap my head around how to communicate ideas about the brain, I decided to really emphasize that the brain is bordering on this knife's edge balance between order and chaos. It became apparent that when the brain is differentiating, there are literally tens of billions of things happening. The degree of sophistication that the brain has could not tolerate the amount of randomness if it didn't have a compensatory mechanism. That aspect became very clear when I was trying to orchestrate half a million neurons and how they connect. It became apparent that this was a substantial problem that evolution had to solve at some point. Science and art became inseparable. Another visual artist using neuroscience in her work is Marina Abramovich, who uses performance art as a way of understanding human connection and being. Instead of being a scientist herself, She collaborates with neuroscientists and technology experts to aid in her work, all converging in an institute. In a podcast with NPR, the artist tells us, So the idea of this institute was an idea to create a new platform where the science, new technology, um, art, and spirituality can get together and really have a new conversation and how we can exchange consciousness of human being. And how that consciousness changing can affect our society today, because we know that things are not right in so many different directions, and we are criticizers, but we have very little to do about individuals, you know, personal level. So I think the artist's duty is to act. Dr. Victoria Powell, also on a Substack publication, explores Abramovich's work in her post on the Gallery Companion on the nature of distraction. Professor Anil Seth is a neuroscientist who researches consciousness. He has a Sunday Times bestseller called Being You, A New Science of Consciousness, in which he talks about the idea that our realities are constructs of the brain. He understands our worlds as subjective spaces of being through controlled hallucination. Although the subjectivity may seem minor, such as the variations in the way we see color, the way all the factors of experience and observation come together in our minds are individual. 
I find this concept rather freeing and closely connected to my experience as a writer. Do you find that your reality and your writing world become one? I don't mean that I escape from the real world into my fiction. Instead, the merging allows me to find layers of truth and beauty in everyday life through the writing. Conversely, the writing attempts to explain my hallucinations to an audience. For example, my readers, the recipient of a letter, or my future self looking back at reflections from years ago or just yesterday. The Mandukya Upanishad talks about four stages of consciousness in yoga. These stages are wakefulness or jagrats, objective consciousness based on sensory experiences, dreaming or svapna, consciousness turns toward the inner world, one's virtual, deep sleep, shushupti or prajna, unconscious, without desires, and the fourth is pure consciousness or turiya, perfect awareness of one's consciousness. This is a great simplification of the stages, and there is also a stage beyond. Turiyatita surpasses these states of consciousness. The ancient classification of the mind's awareness is not dissimilar to what the neuroscientist says now. The ultimate is in allowing these all to exist and the hallucination to continue to reach this beyond that is unclassifiable. Perhaps relatedly, long-term meditation practitioners have been found to alter the brain states. They have an easier time recovering from stress and even a better quality of life and functional health status. If meditation is that pure consciousness or even the beyond for some people, the Turiyatita, then it might teach us that awareness of our conscious selves can give us the power to live a better life. Our worlds are created through perspectives, which means we have the power to change our existence. It doesn't mean it's your fault if you're having a shitty day or if you've been handed a difficult situation, but it does mean you have some power to change that experience of it. Yoga helps us reach both a calmer state of reality where we are open to what's around us rather than focused always on our inner mind, the fears, worries, trying to impress, anxieties, etc. And paradoxically helps us to also experience emotions more deeply. But in allowing that vulnerability and acknowledging its validity, we can start to make sense of who we are and our place in the world. What if writing could share the state of being and also help us develop these layers of consciousness? The act of writing is something philosophers like Derrida link to active identity creation. That is, the power to become and emerge as an identity rather than simply what we are born with. It feels to me like we both assert our realities through writing and explore its possibilities. We discover ourselves, but also propel ourselves forward into the unknown each time we sit with pen or computer. We also share or create perspectives for others to understand our realities or hallucinations and virtual worlds. What is the purpose of the sharing? Part of it is that primal desire for human connection. It's also some notion that the ideas might be worth sharing placing into a dialogue of the human condition and its attempt to seek deeper understanding and truths. Is the writing self then more real than that self I present to others in real life? Maybe. Not because I'm hiding that truth or identity that comes out in writing, but because it's almost impossible to recreate and share on the surface. We can reflect what we have discovered. However, it would be overwhelming to simultaneously live or experience and attempt to pin it down for what it is. Writing in this way is my inner world unmediated, but that doesn't make it better than the daily life in between. That world is an interaction with the writing world. 
Please join us via the link in the notes for the newsletter, tips, and access to our community on Substack. Have a great day, everyone.